Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room, formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys. Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And, of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 uh, hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the uh, on the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because uh, we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <laughs> What's up, guys? Victory week or Monday? Well, I'm recording this on Monday, so it is victory Monday. Our beloved draw even on the season at 2-2 two and two with a victory yesterday over the Detroit Lions, uh, in which our rookie quarterback uh, showed off his talents uh, his deep ball accuracy, which is something that this offense has been missing for a very long time. We had a brand new play caller, which I think was evident to everybody from the opening drive when the Bears took the uh, took the opening drive, 75 yards on 12 plays uh, and scored a touchdown. So it's very uncharacteristic of a Matt Nagy led offense, which we found out afterwards. Um, meant that uh, and it was actually Bill Lazor calling the plays once again. There is a God in heaven. So we got the win, and uh, we saw some really good things on offense and defense. We also saw some troubling things, uh, especially on the defensive side, in my opinion. And we had some injuries that we're actually still, at this point, waiting to hear uh, a word on. I'm recording this just after my workday ends uh, and before the um, Raiders and Chargers kick off. So I, I want to pay close attention to that game because we play the Raiders next. So I want to study up on our next opponent. So let's get to business here. It is the week four review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Maggie and company wanted to leave us hanging by a thread all week long and, uh, uh, who the play caller was going to be, who our starting quarterback was going to be, even though common sense said we all knew who, should be, who it should be. Um, we found out on Saturday Justin Fields was starting, and uh, we found out about three plays into the opening drive 
that Matt Nagy had surrendered play calling to Bill Lazor once again. But uh, we'll talk about that at the end because Nagy said some stuff that not only angered me, but basically anyone who heard it. I mean, it was <laughs> the thing about Justin Fields is that the attention that he garnered as a college um, superstar has f- carried over into the NFL. So anything that happens with Justin Fields is now a national story. So it's not like this is like in the past when basically the national media really didn't care uh, about the Bears or Mitchell Trubisky or anything like that during his tenure uh, in the in Chicago. But Justin Fields, the national media is all over this, so it is everywhere whenever something goes down. So the Bears rebounded from last week's embarrassing loss on the road to Cleveland where they made Justin Fields look like an incompetent future bust of a draft pick because Nagy was didn't do anything to help the kid at all. I mean, everyone admits, yes, he held on to the ball a little too long uh, at times uh, and what have you. That's something that he needs to work on as he progresses through his career. But everyone also agrees this is something that he can only really learn to do when he's out there on the field. And uh, (laughs) Nagy did nothing to help support the kid be successful. Like I said, one drive into uh, yesterday's game We already had more yards as an offense in one drive than we had for the entire football game uh, against Cleveland, and we scored more points in one drive than we did in the entire game against Cleveland. We had seven at the end of one drive. We scored six last week uh, against the Browns, and frankly, if not for a 44-yard pass interference call that the, the refs gifted us, we probably don't get that second field goal. Uh, You know, it was a 26 to three game essentially, but, um, you know, he, he they wanted to leave us hanging uh, all week long for gamesmanship, wanted to keep the, the call on who the play caller would be internal uh, uh, and, and all that nonsense. And uh, anyway, the end result was the guy that we thought should start at quarterback started at quarterback. He played outstanding. The play caller was obvious that this was a guy who was going to put his talent in the best position to succeed because we saw Justin Fields doing Justin Fields things out there and uh, making it look easy uh, in the process as well. I mean, that throw to Allen Robinson where, I mean, Robinson did an outstanding job getting his feet down and everything, but the window he put that ball in, it was just, it was a thing uh, of beauty. I was like, I've watched the, the replay uh, they, the NFL put together a cut of all of Justin Fields' best plays from the game. And basically, this is an impression of me watching that video over and over again. Ooh, yeah. Every time. Every single time. Every throw, tight spiral, boom, could not have put it in a more pinpoint precise location. That throw to Robinson. That second deep throw to Mooney down the sideline that set up the, uh, the last touchdown uh, in, or in the, in the second half. Uh, where, you know, Damian Williams drove it in from four yards out on the very next play. I mean, that throw, that's just, I mean, outstanding throws uh, from from fields. And we had a nice balanced attack running the football as well as uh, passing it 180-something yards uh, rushing on the day between Mooney and and Williams and uh, the occasional scramble uh, from Justin Fields as well. We look like a competent offense that could actually compete like maybe we might lose some of these games. Like this six-game stress that we were talking about all of last week that looked like a nightmare, especially after the Cleveland uh, massacre. 
next week with the Raiders, the week after with Green Bay, uh, Tampa Bay after that, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, all with good pass rushes, all that would have gotten after us. Now we might actually have a play caller who will put us in a position to counteract what those defenses are doing to be able to actually compete uh, in those games. That's actually the real big question here as far as Bill Lazor-led offenses was last year when Lazor took over, we were going against a handful of weaker uh, defenses uh, and what have you, but we were able to score points. We were able to... Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. To win those uh, football games, but when we played, when we had a rematch against uh, Green Bay, and then obviously the playoff game against New Orleans, to which I will take to my grave that Nagy was calling the plays in that playoff game. I just, it, we just didn't look anything like it. Um, then, uh, you know, as, as far as like what we, what we, sh- what we were looking like earlier uh, in that, in that uh, Bill Lazor uh, part of the play calling season. So, um, you know, it's, it's the real question is, will Lazor's uh, play calling hold up against better teams? Cause we, you know, we scored a ton of points against Detroit the first time in that game that we lost, uh, you know, uh, Minnesota, uh, Jacksonville, uh, and Houston points, 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 points against those teams, but they were all like bottom 25% of the league as far as their, uh, defenses, uh, were concerned. So here we go again. Now we're going to have some meteor competition coming up against us, including this team we're playing, uh, on Sunday with the Raiders and now a very good pass rush they have with them. Uh, with Ngakwe and, and Crosby and all that kind of stuff. And we'll talk more about that on our uh, preview episode on Thursday when uh, Q Myers from Locked on Raiders comes in to talk to us about that. But that's going to be the real question for Laser: is um, how does his play calling hold up against good defenses? Because it holds up pretty damn good against, you know, mediocre to bad. How will it hold up against uh, stouter uh, defenses? That's going to be the real question uh, going forward. So, Let's go ahead and dive into this thing. First quarter knee-jerk reaction. We see some promising things like, A, Justin Fields starting, and B, apparently from, apparent from the beginning, Matt Nagy isn't calling the plays, and C, we have success, which is the opposite of everything we had when Matt Nagy was uh, calling the plays. <laughs> knee-jerk reaction, Bears-Lions first quarter, and it's a night and day situation. We all knew that it would be damn near impossible for the Bears to look any worse than they did last week against the Cleveland Browns. Well, we we uncharacteristically 
take the ball when winning the toss. We, we elect to receive to start the football game. The Bears go 12 plays and 75 yards in about six minutes to score on the opening drive. Go up 7 nothing early on the Lions. And a, lot, it's a couple of things that we noticed during that drive. Number one, when, the, when Fox cut to Matt Nagy on the sidelines between plays, he wasn't talking the whole time, which led me to believe he's not calling the plays. He's not constantly talking into the microphone, using every second that he has to communicate with his quarterback before the snap of the football, before the communication gets cut off. He was mum. Second, the Bears used a variety of looks. Uh, David Montgomery was running the football. (laughs) And uh, one of the other things that was very uncharacteristic, Justin Fields under center for eight of the 12 plays uh, on that drive. It's usually see... You see uh, Fields in a lot of shotgun so he can do that quick look thing that, that Nagy loves to do with his passing. So I think Lazer's calling the plays today. Fingers crossed. Uh, I mean, we, we saw a lot of things we haven't seen in the first three weeks. And, you know, not to be a dick or anything, but we saw success from the offense, which we also haven't seen uh, in, in, the, uh, in the offense so far. So... And then, uh, you know, I was kind of worried it was going to be one of these Madden-type games because the Lions came out and put a hell of a drive together, uh, got all the way inside the 10-yard line or something like that for the Bears, and then just like that, they are in the shotgun. Goff is walking up to the line of scrimmage for to communicate, I think, some line adjustment, and the center snaps the ball. The center snapped the ball and he got it up high enough that it bounces off of uh, bounces off of Goff into the open arms of uh, Bilal Nichols. And just like that, the Lions went from threatening the score on their opening drive to even up the score to giving the football back to the Bears. And Justin Fields nails Ju- uh, Mardana Mooney on a 64-yard pass play. The Bears are back inside... The red zone, we're up 7-0. We got all the momentum. We had 155 yards total offense in that first quarter. They're showing the graphic just as we're going back to the line of scrimmage. It's night and day. We look like a football team. Granted, it's the Lions, but we look pretty damn good. Hard to argue with the results, man. I mean, it's 12 plays, 75 yards, uh, just over 6 minutes. uh, Yeah, 6 minutes, 11 seconds, I'm looking at it here. And, you know... A variety of looks, like I said, the first play from scrimmage. We had three tight ends uh, on the field. David Montgomery runs the football for nine yards on first down. So what do we do? We run the ball once again on second down, pick up four. So bang, bang, we've got our first off, you know, first first down uh, of the football game. The offense is off and running. Uh, we got uh, Darnell Mooney a few plays later on a crossing route for about 20 yards. A fantastic catch uh, by by Mooney, scooping it in with one hand and, and – uh, hanging on to it, uh, you know, and the drive finishes off with Montgomery from four yards out to to go up 7 nothing. It's just like nothing about what we saw on that opening drive says that Nagy's calling the plays. And then, like I said, when they would cut to him uh, during or between plays uh, on the sidelines, he wasn't, uh, you know, jabbing it up. He wasn't looking down at his card or anything like that. He was just pacing back and forth, just watching it all go down uh, kind of thing. And then we would run the play, and like I said, it didn't look like anything that Matt Nagy would be calling. 
Uh, it looked like we were running Justin Fields' offense as opposed to running Matt Nagy's offense that's better run by Andy Dalton. I think more than anything, that's why he has such a hard-on for Dalton to be starting because Dalton can run his offense. And if Justin Fields can't run the offense the way he wants it run, why did we draft him? Why did we draft him? He was so reluctant. He, he wants Justin Fields running his offense as opposed to like what most coaches do, tailor the offense, especially as a rookie, tailor the offense to what he's good at, work him up to being able to do the things that you want him to do in this offense. No. Let's go out there. We'll throw him on an island. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get him doing the opposite of what made him a first-round talent and a Heisman Trophy candidate and, uh, you know, a damn near a national champion in, in, in college. And uh, we'll, we'll make him do the opposite against uh, one of the more stout pass rushes the NFL has to offer right now uh, with no help uh, from an offensive line that is suspect at best. So, yeah, that offensive line, only one sack given up, and I was just looking over the stats. Only four quarterback hits the entire day. So they basically, he went through the game untouched uh, for the most part against the, uh, the Lions, and the results speak for themselves. That throw for Darnell Mooney for 64 yards on the opening drive, or the second drive, he took the, you know, it was play action. He drops back. He looks, boom, perfect follow through. The ball was perfectly thrown. Uh, great catch by Mooney, who was wide open. 64 yards, and just like that, we flipped the field. We were inside our own 10-yard line on the neck on the first play. Next thing you know, we're inside the the Lions' 30, heading back into the end zone, which we did uh, at the start of the second quarter. So, uh, I mean, it's just like I said, the results speak for themselves. This is what happens when you do what the when when you tailor the offense to do what the rookie's good at while the rookie is still learning, you know. And it's just it's remarkable. Absolutely remarkable, the night and day look that we had. Now, granted, again, and you hate to keep using this as a qualifier, we know the Lions aren't a very good football team, but they are an NFL-level team who has given hell to everybody that they've played this year. They should have beaten the Ravens last week. They gave the Packers a run for their money in the first half. They won the first half on Monday Night Football two weeks ago. And after giving up a huge lead, they almost came back and tied the game against San Francisco. The first three games of their schedule were brutal. San Francisco, Green Bay, and uh, and Baltimore. Like that's They were looking at 0-3 anyway, and I think they were actually half anticipating to have like a 120 points scored against them while they only scored about 20 or 30 uh, for themselves. And instead, in one way or another, they were pretty much in every single ball game at one point uh, during all three. So they're not a very good football team. Uh, I sent a message to Jeremy Reisman yesterday after the game that if his team ever figures out how to play a full 60-minute ball game, they're going to be something to contend with. Uh, this year. So, I mean, the, we kind of ran them over in the first half, and then they gave us a, a, a rough go in the second half. But, uh, you know, if they figure out how to put all 60 minutes together, they're going to be a tough out for the rest of the season. So, uh, you know, Dan Campbell, I believe, has got those guys uh, headed in the right direction. Uh, and like I was telling Jeremy in the preview episode, if their talent met, you know, ever meets the the level of their play, like how much how tough and how hard these guys are playing for Campbell could get scary. The, the team that comes out of Detroit, but um, you know, it was just, uh, it was remarkable. You know, I, I keep, I'll keep using that word cause that's all it was. You're just kind of sitting here kind of marveling at how, how easy uh, it is being made to look 
how brilliant Justin Fields looks all of a sudden. And, and all we had to do was, was, you know, tailor the offense to what he's actually good at right now and watch him blossom and bloom before our very eyes, uh, you know, in, in a fast and in, in a quick turnaround. So it's not like he had to work his way up to this. We just went ahead and did what he was good at. And he didn't have the sexiest numbers. 11 for 17, only 209 uh, nine yards. We, we ran in all three of our touchdowns, so no TD passes for him. And he had a tip ball for an interception. So his numbers weren't sexy. But it's, it, it doesn't tell the story of how well he played, how good he looked. And that was also the opinion of pretty much anybody who watched the game. Briggs and Brown and, and Olin uh, yesterday on the after show with, with, with Dave Kaplan, uh, the talking heads on ESPN and, and Good Morning Football uh, this morning, all of them universally uh, praising the play calling uh, from Bill Lazor, all of them praising Justin Fields' performance uh, against the Lions uh, on Sunday, you know, d- despite the fact that his numbers weren't impressive, what he did and how he got those numbers was. So that was the more uh, in- in interesting thing that happened uh, today. So it, and also that uh, Matt Nagy's press conference was early enough in the morning that the talking heads got to have a few opinions on the stupid shit that he said a after the game. And again, uh, this morning, like I said, we'll save that for uh, for the end. So anyway. Second quarter is on tap. We started with the ball. We pounded in immediately to take a 14 to nothing lead. And we're still contending with the Lions. This is the worrisome part. And I think I mentioned that here in the knee-jerk reaction is that, you know, the Lions from the 20 to 20 are really giving the Bears a run for their money. If they could just figure out how to get into the end zone, we could be having a very different discussion at halftime. (laughs) Knee-jerk reaction, second quarter, Bears and Lions. And first play of the second quarter, David Montgomery finishes off that drive that the Bears were finishing up in the first quarter and uh, runs it in. 14-0 Bears. And, you know, from there, it was pretty much a back-and-forth kind of affair. It was uh, worrisome in spots for our defense because the Lions, you know, from 20 to 20, are doing whatever they want, essentially. They're gashing us like you wouldn't believe in the run game. I mean, it's hard to believe that Eddie Goldman is back out on the field for all the damage the Lions are doing running the football, and I think that could be especially worrisome next week against the, uh, the Raiders. Because if you guys remember, the last time we played the Raiders in 2019, we had an unstoppable run defense, and then we were running into Josh Jacobs and that team in London, and they were doing the, the, that, you know, running through the lanes like that zone running against the, the Bears, and it carved us up. The Lions are having a lot of success with that uh, today. But, but the, uh, the Lions are 0 for 3, 0 and 3 for a reason. They had three trips into the red zone, three drives, three trips into the red zone, two turnovers, and a turnover on down. So, you know, you had the one in the first quarter where the center skipped it off Jared Goff's chest into Bilal Nichols' arms. And then in the second quarter, you had a turnover on downs thanks to Alec Ogletree getting his hand up and tipping a pass to an otherwise open receiver in the end zone. And then on their next drive, into the end zone or into the red zone. Uh, uh, Robert Quinn with the uh, with the strip sack, and Khalil Mack with the recovery, and uh, you know 
that kills that drive right there. The Bears and the Lions each only punt once uh, in the first half, uh, which is odd because it's 14 to nothing. So if I tell you the score is 14 to nothing, you're not going to think that there's, there's one punt per team in the first half. That's just weird. But uh, in, the de- in the second half, I'm wanting to see a little bit more stoutness in the run defense from our defense. And, and on offense, pretty much just let's keep doing what we're doing. We're feeding David Montgomery. We're giving Justin Fields uh, a few attempts. I think, he's only, I think he only attempted maybe 10 passes or so in the first half. His last pass attempt was uh, tipped at the line of scrimmage and intercepted. Sadly, that goes down as an interception for the quarterback as opposed to some kind of tipped play. There should be a new statistic for those kinds of picks, but it is what it is. So it wasn't a bad interception or anything uh, like that. Otherwise, I have no complaints about Justin Fields. Uh, He's done very well uh, in the first half uh, against the Lions. So uh, we got a 14-0 lead at the half. Uh, the Lions start with the football, and that's where I'd like to see our defense buckling down uh, on the run and putting the game in Jared Goff's hands. And then the other thing that I want to see from the defense is getting to the quarterback. Because aside from uh, Robert Quinn's uh, you know, brushing of, of Goff's arm down there in the red zone, we have not gotten to Goff at all. So the offensive line for the Detroit Lions do an outstanding job doing it in the run game, doing it in the pass game. We need to offset that. We need to go and get them and uh, make, some, make it happen. Otherwise, if the, if the Lions figure out how to slow us down on offense and figure out how to actually finish drives on, on their own offensive side, second half could be very interesting. Well, fortunately for us, the Lions are, are, are going to lion from time to time. They haven't quite grown uh, out of that just yet, and that's how you get three consecutive road or red zone trips and walk away with zero points, zero points, two turnovers and a turnover uh, on downs. One very weird self-inflicted wound with the snap into Goff's chest at uh, in the first quarter that, that, you know, just basically changed the course of the game. Cause the very like two plays later was the 64 yard pass from uh, fields to uh, Mooney. I mean, this is the NFL the game can turn on you. Uh, just that fast, you know, te- teams can take advantage of your mistakes and completely alter the outcome uh, of a football game in a handful of plays. We saw it happen uh, against the um, against the, the Rams in week one. Hell, we saw it happen week two against the Bengals, a tightly contested game and three straight turnovers later. And it was, uh, you know, out of hand. Uh, for for the Bengals, you know they weren't able to recover. They're a three and one team now. They've won two straight since losing to us in Soldier Field uh, in uh, in week two. So I mean, uh, I don't know if we'd be able to do that to Cincinnati if we played them again. But we are able to take advantage of the moments that we had in that football game and came away with the win. And we did it again against Detroit uh, on Sunday, turning that bananas play that was like a one in a million thing like it bounced off of Goff's chest in such a way that it landed perfectly in the hands of Bilal Nichols and all he had to do was hang on uh, to the ball and then like I said two plays later 64 yards down the field uh, to Mooney and we're on our way to scoring our second touchdown uh, of the day so um, but again in the other two drives in the second in the second quarter the Rams did it again 
back down the field, back into the red zone. Like I said, a great defensive play from Ogletree to go for when the Lions went for it on fourth down uh, from about five yards out, gets his hand on the ball. Otherwise, that's a touchdown pass uh, right there. And then the the strip sack from uh, from uh, Quinn uh, on the third and final uh, drive for for the Lions and turning them away the second time. So it was one that was self inflicted, a a great play uh, from Ogletree on the second one, and then an effort play from uh, Quinn on, on the third drive. It uh, you know it resulted in zero points and three red zone trips for the. Uh, for the Lions. And so, I mean, that was basically, that's your ball game right there. So, I mean, we won 24 to 14. We won by 10 points. If they can get, I mean, say they just kick field goals. I mean, that's still 24 to 23. Who knows how the game actually finishes out there uh, with, you know, what they're doing at the end of the football game. So that's crazy. But um, so in the second half, like I said, we were looking to, uh, or I was looking for the team to try to buckle down a bit more on the run. Uh, and I think I mentioned this in the knee-jerk reaction uh, that, uh, well, I figured out why it is we're struggling against the run um, uh, because we basically lost one of our, our other great run defender in the first play of the game for Detroit. So uh, that's why we're kind of struggling against the run despite Eddie Goldman being back uh, in the lineup. But the third quarter was was more dominance uh, from the Bears. We extended our lead, looking to coast uh, quietly into the fourth quarter and get our second victory of the season and our first as a starter for Justin Fields. <coughs> Needs our reaction. Third quarter, Bears-Lions. And uh, the Lions finally finished a drive. Uh, they got their fourth red zone trip of the ball game. And uh, after two turnovers and a turnover on down, they finally finish off to drive uh, to, to finally put some points on the board. However, the Bears' first uh, the drive leading up to that, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that he doesn't have a touchdown pass on the board because Justin Fields is playing outstanding football today. He had two throws on the last scoring drive. One, a, a, a deep crossing route to... Robinson for like 30 plus yards and then a sweet sweet thread the needle throw to uh, Mon- uh to Mooney excuse me down the le- down the right sideline uh to get the Bears inside the 10 yard line they do a quick uh quick uh, snap on the next play and boom Damian Williams runs it in from about four or five yards out and the Bears are up 21 to nothing before the the touchdown drive I told you that the Lions uh finally got and, uh, you know, we're still, I don't know. It's, it's not as, as bad as it was in the running game in the first half. So maybe we did tighten that up a little bit. Um, I figured out why it is we're not having as much success against the run. We lost to Keem Hicks. I saw him come out after the first play of the game, literally the first play of the game for the Lions on offense. Akeem goes to the sidelines. He's out for the game with a groin injury. Now, I don't know what that means, obviously, for next week against the Raiders, but that explains that even though we've got Eddie Goldman out there, why we're having so much trouble uh, stopping the run uh, today. So hopefully that's something that uh, will fix itself and Akeem can play against the Raiders next week. But uh, that also explains why we're having so much trouble and why we're getting beat up front uh, in the run game. Um, you know, but the Bears won the quarter 
despite giving up points, we scored twice uh, in this drive. We just finished off another drive there. Another great throw to uh, Robinson that set up a field goal for the Bears. We're up 24-7 going into the fourth quarter here. The Lions have the football right now. Let's see if the Bears can tighten up and uh, shut the Lions down. Leave them only with the one score and kind of coast to victory here in the fourth quarter. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room, formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys. Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And, of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 uh, hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the uh, on the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because uh, we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <laughs> Always nice when you can enjoy your Sunday afternoon. We can uh, enjoy watching your team pummel uh, a, a division rival, uh, and then you can kind of just kick your feet up and, and, and lean back uh, in your chair and, and enjoy the, the, the last steps uh, of, uh, of a successful uh, victory. Uh, you know, on, on a Sunday afternoon, it's, it's always nice when you can do that. It's always nice to not be, uh, you know, stress eating through the fourth quarter and, you know, cursing that, uh, you were born in Chicago and you love such a team that would piss you off monumentally over and over again. Not that that problem has been alleviated, but at least for one day, we didn't have to worry about how bad the bears suck and, and how, how embarrassing this is going to be on all the review shows and, uh, and what have you tomorrow. Uh, it was nice that the Bears were able to do that, that they were able to answer and, uh, you know, bounce back from last week's embarrassment uh, against the Browns. And, you know, like I said, in the third quarter, uh, we realized that uh, the reason that we are struggling in the, in the run defense was because Akeem Hicks was out and we lost him on the very first defensive play of the game uh, against the Lions. So if you guys remember last year, that Monday night game against the Vikings, the one that we lost, um, Dalvin Cook had like 39 yards rushing in the first three quarters of the game. Akeem Hicks goes out with that, uh, I believe it was a hamstring injury. And all of a sudden he racked up like 70 yards in the fourth quarter to, I think he broke a hundred if he, if not got really, really close. Uh, to 100 yards. It's not rocket science. Akeem Hicks is a big reason why we are successful uh, against the run. But with him out of there, uh, the Lions were were having good success. However, it really wasn't as prevalent in the third and fourth quarter because 
We scored that third touchdown very early in the second half, and they're playing from behind with a three-touchdown deficit uh, you know, on the road. So uh, I think they could have continued to have success with the run if they would have been able to stick with it. But the game itself dictated that they had to start uh, throwing the football and that's where it kind of got worrisome there, uh, especially in the fourth quarter. We'll talk more about that uh, in the knee-jerk reaction and, and afterwards uh, as well, is that, uh, you know, granted we got to uh, golf. I think three of the four sacks that we got were in the second half uh, of the football game. But, uh, you know, the, the things that he was still able to do, the holes that he found in the secondary were were, were troubling. And uh, I, I addressed that in the bear up, bear down uh, episode uh, yesterday. So uh, check that out if you haven't already. And um, it, it was, it, it, it didn't sting as much because A, we had a big lead uh, to protect. B, we were probably playing prevent and, and, and all that kind of stuff anyway, which is my least favorite thing to do when, when watching the defense. But, uh, you know, it didn't sting as much because the Lions weren't putting themselves back in the football game. And they didn't, it, even in the fourth quarter when they scored again, it didn't really feel like the, the Bengals game where all of a sudden things got very, very interesting with three minutes to go in the game. And now it's where it was 20 to three. Now it's 20 to 17 all of a sudden. Uh, it never really got uh, to that point. So while it was kind of frustrating to watch in the third and fourth quarter, it was never really a, a, a point of anxiety, but it did kind of, you know, leave a bad taste in your mouth that we've got some football teams coming up. The Raiders this Sunday, the, the Packers, the Buccaneers, uh, you know, all throw the football very, very well. They all have very good quarterbacks, especially Green Bay and Tampa Bay. Uh, they got Hall of Famers out there, and one especially that has enjoyed a very lengthy career of kicking the crap out of us uh, in our house and his uh, in in uh, very un, unfortunate fashion. But, uh, you know, uh, so we're going to have to find a way to clean up this uh, secondary uh, before those guys really put it to us uh, in these coming weeks. So anyway, we go into the fourth quarter. We're able to hold out Justin Fields. Uh, completes his first uh, victory as a starter for our beloved Chicago Bears, but the fourth quarter did not come without its uh, penalties. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bears-Lions, and uh, we uh, hold on in the fourth quarter for a 24-14 victory. Uh, kind of looked like it there for a bit that the, uh, the Lions might actually make a ball game uh, out of this. With the ease in which they scored their last touchdown, it was, it was worrisome for sure because the Bears had them like on a uh, after missing out on a possible turnover. Travis Gibson, who played very well today actually, uh, stripped uh, Jared Goff, but wasn't able to come up with the recovery. Goff gets it himself on the very next play, like t- second and twenty or something like that. Jared Goff hits a guy. I mean, he could not have been more wide open. It was it was reminiscent of how guys were just magically open by ten yards in every direction against the Packers. If you guys remember that game in uh, 2014 on Sunday Night Football, where the Packers put up 42 points in the first half, it looked like that on that drive. Okay, that one drive. Apparently, we decided to play defense without a secondary because they were nowhere to be found on that drive on that play where they got like 24 yards and the guy was like i said wide open in every direction by at least five to ten yards 
And then on uh, player two after that, it was um, it was kind of like uh, the Rams game uh, on that one play to, to Cooper Cup where he's just wide open down the middle of the field with nobody around him. Easy touchdown, but it was only from 25 yards, so it's not like uh, not like the Rams game where he caught the ball and then ran for another 50 yards after that. But uh, after that, the Bears seemed to, to clamp down uh, a bit and were able to hang on for the 24-14 to 14 victory. One scary, potentially disastrous note in the fourth quarter. David Montgomery goes down with a knee injury that they say was so gruesome looking they would not show us the replay. So, of course, that is very troubling to hear. Uh, Monty walked off the field under his own power, was kind of hobbling on the sideline as they walked him. to. So he didn't cart him, or at least not that I'm aware of. They didn't cart him to the locker room. Uh, but he was definitely in a lot of pain in the moment that it happened and in the moments following when he was walking around uh, on the sidelines. So that is not promising. Uh, I'm not looking forward to tomorrow when we when we hear MRI results of what actually happened uh, with him. It would be a huge blow to our football team if we lose him. And, uh, you know, but, uh, but the silver lining there is it could mean more snaps for Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams actually ran the ball very well uh, in relief of Montgomery and in his regular reps. And then when he became the primary ball carrier after Montgomery went out, he had at the last graphic I saw, he had 50, 50 yards on like eight carries or something. He was averaging like six or seven yards uh, a carry, if not more, maybe I had it wrong. But um, he had at least 50 yards rushing, and that was like in the drive after uh, Monty going down. So we'll see what it looks like when, when, when Williams is the primary ball carry, if that's the case next week. Like I said, that means we get to see more from Khalil Herbert. I would actually be excited to see more of that. And also, guys, keep in mind, a couple weeks from now, hopefully we're getting Tariq Cohen back. So who knows? Hoping that it's not serious with Montgomery. Maybe we lose him for a, you know, a few weeks or something like that as opposed to uh, waiting until next year to see him in 2022. Because so, if it's gruesome enough that they won't show it to you, it had to be pretty bad. And usually those injuries are season enders. So keep, send a prayer up to the football gods that they uh, take it easy on us. And that we don't lose Monty for all of 2021. That we'll get him back at some point. And uh, I just don't want to lose that guy. He's he's too good and he's too important to us. So anyway, on the positive side, guys, we look good today. We look competent on offense. We look sharp. But uh, Montgomery being lost on offense, Hicks being down on defense, could mean bad things for us in Las Vegas next week against the Raiders. And as of uh, right now, Monday night, uh, just before kickoff with the Raiders and the the Chargers, um, the only predominant word right now on the David Montgomery situation is that they don't believe it is a ligament tear. Um, that uh, I think they said it was more of a, a knee hyperextension, which would uh, 
uh, not be as serious, maybe a bone bruise, kind of like what Andy Dalton uh, is dealing with, uh, and, and maybe something like that, uh, you know, like a few weeks uh, of an injury as opposed to, uh, you know, months of rehab and surgery and uh, and things like that. Like we lost Tariq Cohen week three of last year, still waiting to get him back uh, right now. So, I mean, it'll be, oh, good Lord, f- 14 months or so since uh, Tariq Cohen's last played a football game. And that's if he comes back right away week seven when he is first eligible uh, to come back. I mean, there hasn't been any talk about Tariq Cohen and where he's at in his rehab and if he'll be ready to come off the pup list and start playing football uh, right away. So uh, still don't know what's going on with him. And then we hear later on, I didn't know this at the time, but, uh, you know, I was talking about, oh, Damian Williams, he could be our primary ball killer, uh, carrier. That means we get some more reps for the rookie, uh, Khalil Herbert, who looked good in the preseason, uh, only to find out uh, later on that uh, – yeah, Damian Williams strained his quad uh, in the fourth quarter there after Damian, after uh, Montgomery went out. So we don't know what his status is uh, for Sunday either. So all of a sudden, Khalil Herbert went in, went from being our kick returner and uh, the guy that's on the field when we run those uh, three-back wildcat plays to being our primary ball carrier all of a sudden. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if, if Damian Williams isn't able to go, we know that we're, we're definitely probably not getting uh, Montgomery back this weekend uh, for the Raiders. Uh, I think it would still be a miracle if we played uh, in two weeks for against Green Bay. Um, but, uh, you know, we could all of a sudden be looking at a six-round rookie uh, running back against the, uh, the Raiders and, and the Packers uh, if Williams can't go. Uh, this week, plus whoever the Bears can, uh, you know, pull off the practice squad or or find off of the street. And uh, I made a, a tweet yesterday that, uh, you know, the Ravens signed anyone worth having in, in as far as free agent uh, running backs because uh, they lost about 14 guys uh, to ACL and Achilles injuries in training camp. So they've they've signed all the decent running backs that didn't have a team at the beginning of uh, training camp uh, and such. So um you know, we'd literally be pulling guys off the street to to, to play for us uh, against the uh, the Raiders and the Packers the next couple of weeks. But um, you know, but back to that secondary. Like I said, that I know it was you know I used a lot of extremes in the way that I was describing, but that's just how it looked. That's how it felt with the ease in which the Detroit scored, especially on that last drive. Uh, how wide open that one guy was on the one play gave me, you know, night terrors of uh, like uh, what that 42 to nothing first half against Green Bay was like. And then it was the Cooper Cup play all over again uh, on the touchdown pass from from golf to um, uh, I forget the guy's name, but uh, to, to his receiver. So uh, it just uh, it was it was in, like I said, worrisome, especially with the teams we have uh, coming up. Darren Waller. Uh, is going to, you know, have a lot to say about the outcome of this football game, not to mention the other receivers that the Raiders have. And we all know that the Packers, they A, they have Devontae Adams, but B, they whoever they line up is going to be good for them, and Aaron Rodgers is going to get them to football and uh, make our lives hell uh, for 60 minutes. Uh, the secondary really needs to fix whatever is broken uh, with them uh, before we're looking at some very, very ugly Sundays against some very talented uh, quarterbacks. So, um, but you know, we're, we, we, we got the win. Uh, we, we seem to have found the key to, uh, unlocking the door that is, uh, Justin Fields, or at least so we thought, 
until Matt Nagy started talking uh, at the end of the football game. Um, and then again this morning. So first of all, he comes to the press conference after the game. Um, I don't know if it was a direct question or if he just offered it up. Uh, like I said, I didn't get to watch the uh, press conference. Uh, I just read about it later. And um, he answers, the, I believe it was a direct question. Ask him who called the plays tonight or, or whatever the deal was. And the first words were, uh, as far as play calling, Bill did a great job. So saying that Bill being Bill Lazor, our offensive coordinator, so he was the the play caller. There it is, mystery solved, as if we didn't know uh, to be. I mean, who knew who called the play? It could have been Juan Castillo for all we know. We just know it wasn't Nagy from the way that the offense looked and everything. And like I said, not to be uh, you know a dick or anything, saying well, we look good, so we know Nagy wasn't calling the plays. It's just the the formations that we used, sticking with the run, balancing run and pass and seeing the success that we had with it as far as you know instead of trying to do the quick three step boom get the ball out thing with Justin Fields it was let's drop him back, let's let him read the field, find the receiver downfield, boom, chunk play, you know, success. None of that we did with Matt Nagy. None. Not in the preseason, especially not last week. Uh, against the Browns. So that was what it was. But after giving credit to Bill Lazor for calling a very good football game, he basically immediately takes it back by saying, now guys, we have to remember that, uh, you know, all these decisions go through me that, uh, you know, that we, 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 you know, it's a collaboration thing throughout the week. We get together and we talk about, you know, what we like, and, uh, and I approve this, and I say, yes, I like that, no, I don't like that, so on and so forth. Like, the, the guy just can't help himself. He, it's killing him inside that the offense was successful and he wasn't directly involved. You know, it wasn't because of the plays that he called the scheme that he put together. He put his offense in someone else's. I mean, that's really what's got to be messing with him is that this is his offense. Bill Lazor is calling Matt Nagy's plays and he's better at it than Matt Nagy. So, I mean, it's that's what's got to really be messing with him. That's why he has to have these little petty moments, you know, where basically he's standing in the middle of the Chicago press corps saying, you know, uh, Bill Lazor called great plays, but, but I helped too. Don't forget about me. I'm, I'm the head coach. And, and because I'm the head coach, I make the final decisions. Everything goes through me. It's like, okay, that's nice, Matt. Now sit down. Okay. You, you made your point. You're in charge. You're the boss. Congratulations. The guy under you is better at calling your plays than you are. Good for you. So, so, and again, like I said, with Justin Fields and the attention that he garners, it's a national story. Everything that happens now with the, which is nice, actually, to be honest with you, even though it can be embarrassing in times, uh, it's actually for me as a, an armchair analyst, it, uh, it's vindicating. Uh, to me, to, to, to sit there and it's like, this is how I feel. I put my opinions out here uh, in the podcast. And then these guys who get paid to have these thoughts for a living all the way from, you know, from the national guys to our local guys with Olin Krutz and Dan Cap, uh, David Kaplan and, uh, and those guys just all like, dude, uh, what the hell is Nagy doing? Why is he taking credit? 
away from Bill Lazor? Why did he shine the spotlight on him and then immediately shine it back uh, at himself? And it's just like, it's just, it's a bad look. It is a bad look. Like nobody was like, okay, grow, you know, good for you, coach. Congratulations. It, it's, it's a backhanded thing that he did. He's like, yeah, Bill Lazor did a great job. He called a great game, but, uh, you know, I approved everything. Uh, basically, this, this still doesn't happen without me waving my magic wand uh, and, and making it so uh, kind of thing. It's, it's pathetic is what it's pathetic. It's sad, actually. Um, you know, and, and like I said, it, it's vindicating to me that, that I, that's what I thought when I read it. That's what I thought when I went back and watched it. Uh, and then I go and I look at all of the, you know, analysis from the other people, the quote unquote experts and what's and they're all basically agreeing with, with what I was thinking myself. And it's just, it's amazing. It is amazing what Nagy is trying to do. It's like, is he trying to get fired? Because I I know that it's not his job to worry about the fans, uh, and as, as, you know, doing his job for us as fans. All I know is his job would be so much easier with fan support. And I can't think of any fans out there, at least I don't know uh, of any, who is in step with Nagy and his way of thinking uh, and all that kind of stuff, especially with what he had to say this morning. He comes out and they ask him, what's the story with the quarterback situation? Because they know that... Nagy's sticking to this idea, or at least he was um, uh, up until yesterday. Like that, that wasn't addressed yesterday, but it was addressed today. They asked him, what's going on with the quarterback situation? If Andy Dalton is healthy, is he your starter? Without even batting an eye, he said yes. He t- <laughs> Without batting an eye, he says yes. Andy's our starter. Uh, Justin's number two. Nick is number three. And uh, that's where we're at. So uh, the next couple of days are critical in, in finding out what's going on uh, with Andy Dalton. Uh, and then we'll go from there, which kind of says to me by Wednesday, we'll know who our starter uh, is going to be, or we should know, or at least that's, that's what he said. So, but it's just that it, it went from everybody kind of snickering and laughing at Nagy for how petty it was to try to take credit immediately after giving it to Bill Lazor to, Everyone's pissed off at Mad Nagy again. It's just like, how how can you see, how can you sit there live, front row seat to what Justin Fields did yesterday? You know, the, to, to what he did yesterday against the, the Lions. And like I said, I hate it, that being a qualifier. Granted, it was against, against a bad football team uh, and what have you. But he, he answered the call. He stepped up from the beating that he took. He mentally made it through with his faculties about him and came out and performed like the kid that you drafted at 11 uh, overall, the guy that you gave up a future first round pick to get your hands on uh, and everything. It's just, how can you sit there and see what he did with the ease and talent and just ability that he did it yesterday and tell me he's not the best option in your quarterback room. It makes no sense. None whatsoever and then it was just like go on go online the, the the clips are on youtube listen to any bears podcast or anything like that 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 came out anyone that has anything to say about what Nagy said today is fuming over what he said fuming like how, how 
if Justin Fields had come out and looked the same way he did or anything close to what he did uh, against Cleveland, he, he might have some supporters with that, with, that, with that train of thought. But looking at what he did, and anyone who watched the game, because I've seen people out there who are just looking at the stats, seeing 11 of 17, 209 yards, zero touchdowns and an interception, he had a lousy day. If, you, if that's what you think, you didn't watch the game. You did not watch the game. Because anybody who watched the game is praising Justin Fields for what he did in that game against the Lions. Okay, we scored three touchdowns yesterday. Every single one of them was set up by an amazing throw that he made to a receiver uh, that got you know a chunk play that got us in scoring position. But we just so happened to be that day where our running game was finishing off our drives for us. So it's unfortunate he doesn't have a touchdown uh, on his stat sheet. Everything else he did was on point and brilliant, in fact, in some cases. And that interception was a tip ball at the line of scrimmage. It wasn't a bad throw uh, that he made. It was a great play by the lineman to get his hand up and knock the ball in the air, and a DB just happened to fall uh, under it. So, you know, I think the only thing that, that Fields did wrong was he kind of stared Mooney down coming across the field on slant route. So, you know, that's going to happen. But uh, it's just anyone who saw Justin Fields play yesterday, the progress that he made, the confidence that at which, I mean, and, and also the way the team played around him. This is Justin Fields' team now. This wasn't the plan. We got to adjust to what's actually happening. And this is Matt Nagy being Matt Nagy and wanting to do things his way as opposed to taking it as it's coming. And he's, he's basically, he's punching his ticket out of town. Uh, you know, and, it, and it's to the degree that there aren't going to be many Bear fans over the next six games who are going to be disappointed. I mean, none of us are going to like it because nobody, no Bear fan likes to watch the Bears lose. But the silver lining is we're one step closer to Nagy being out of town. And if we go on a six-game losing streak right here in the middle of this season, I can't imagine Nagy would survive it. I can't imagine that he would survive it. So silver lining if Nagy wants to be Nagy and put Dalton out there and benching fields after what he did on Sunday, he's doing it at his own peril and let him go ahead and do it and get it out of his system so we can get him the hell out of town and put somebody in charge who's going to do what needs to be done for this team to be successful. Okay, we're not winning a world championship this year, guys. This season was more about developing Justin Fields and we're not going to develop him on the sidelines I mean, it's obvious. It's obvious. He's got to play. He has to play. And granted, we've got an ugly schedule ahead of us, but that's good for him too as well, you know, to be able to face that prime competition. I mean, you saw how he responded after the beating he took last week. Those are games that can ruin guys forever, you know? I mean, look what it did to Sam Darnold in, in, in New York. The, you know, the guy admitted to seeing ghosts and everything because he took such a savage beating early on in his career with the Jets. It took him moving on to another team in Carolina to even look remotely like the guy who could have been the number one pick in that draft if the Browns hadn't taken Baker Mayfield. So, I mean, it just, he, he came back. He was the starter again. He led his football team. He made outstanding plays. 
I mean, he was the difference maker in this football game. He didn't look like somebody who had gone through what he went through last Sunday. He is mentally strong. He is the guy built to play in this league, and you want to put him back on the bench so Andy Dalton can run your offense. Pathetic. It is pathetic. So, you know, we as Bear fans, we didn't want Nagy back for 2021, and now we are praying we are praying that something will happen that he won't return uh, in 2022. So, I mean, it's just this guy's got to go. He has got to go. We will not succeed under him. He is too busy massaging his own ego to think about the success of the team. You know, this is a guy that preaches we, not me, and it's all about me when it comes to Matt Nagy. It is all about me. It is so obvious now. So, anyway. I'm going to cut it off there. This is a positive show. We won the football game. We're two and two. We've got a rough stretch ahead of us. We got a very big football game taking place in Vegas on Sunday uh, against the Raiders. I got to wrap this up so I can watch the Raiders play on Monday night football. Unfortunately, no Manning cast tonight, so that's going to suck. But, you know, we'll make do. And uh, we'll be back on Thursday when Q Myers from Locked On Raiders will join us to talk about this game tonight and preview Bears Raiders for week number five. So be sure to come back on Thursday. And, hey, come hang out with me tomorrow, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Let's talk Bears. Let's talk you know, I don't give a damn. MCU, let's talk about what if or whatever. I don't care. Let's go in and have a conversation. Let's have some fun uh, and uh, chill out on a, on a Wednesday night and then uh, come back on Thursday for myself and Q Myers previewing week five between the Bears and the Raiders. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.